Welcome to the We Are SC podcast. This is Eric McKinney joined by Greg Katz. Greg, we are, we are one week down uh, in spring ball and it's just been, it's been nice to, to be able to get out there and, and see them practice. Uh, going back last year, we got, we got the one spring ball practice and then that was it. So, so I know you've enjoyed kind of USC football and, and you know, having media practice and being able to see things and, and see the guys going and, and maybe a little bit of, you know, normalcy as we hope to get more of that as this year goes on. Well, we've all had to redefine what normalcy is, I'm afraid, the last uh, year Absolutely. or so. So anything that points in the direction of uh, what used to be normal, I guess we all be grateful. Uh, first, we want to say happy, uh, happy Easter to everyone and belated Passover. And, uh, you know, you can forget these holidays sometimes because of the way we're all have been confined for so long, but I think that, uh, you know, with USC getting back in swing, it's kind of a refresher for everybody. Uh, it allows uh, us to uh, concentrate on things that, you know, that we have interest in. And certainly uh, there should be a lot of interest in USC football because so many things, um, you know, are happening, will be happening, and we won't know until, you know, the fall. But uh, you know, you have to start somewhere. So the first week of uh, spring ball, you know, we got to get a few answers that were, uh, you know, questions that were answered. And, uh, you know, not to, uh, you know, get too deep into it immediately. I think the number one thing was that uh, we were all assured that Keaton Slovis uh, has recovered sufficiently from his injury in the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon. And that, of course, is a big relief because, so much of the success of this team uh, revolves around one player. That's, uh, you know, Keith Slovis. You know, in the old days of USC football where they would rely on the tailback, you always had a, a number of tailbacks that could come in, but it was a balanced offense. Uh, in this case, it's not a balanced offense, the air raid. It's, you know, really geared about, you know, for a quarterback throwing the ball 50 times, plus or minus, and, uh, especially in the case of USC coming up in 2021, there is no experienced backup because uh, we all know that Matt Fink elected to uh, pursue his business career. And, um, you know, all eyes are pointed on the three potential candidates to, to back Keaton up. I, I was going to ask kind of off the top again, we, we've got three practices. So going back Tuesday was, was the first day of practice and obviously uh, no pads for that. No pads again on Thursday. Saturday was the first full pad practice. So that, that's what we've been able to kind of see so far. Uh, is that your biggest takeaway, that, that Keaton looks far more similar to the 2019 version of, of Keaton than what we saw in, in 2020, where, again, he he talked, you know, last week about kind of that confidence level dipping a little bit and, and never really fully kind of recovering either physically or mentally kind of from, from that big hit uh, that he took against Iowa and, and knocked him out of that holiday bowl. Is that your biggest takeaway again for, from the first three, uh, first three practices? Well, my takeaway is that physically he's, he looks like he's okay. You know, we saw that in pro day uh, that, he, you know, he was a little rusty here or there, but you know, he's, he's making the throws. Um, what we don't know and we will not find out, uh, until games are being played is where is he emotionally 
he says he admitted to all of us that, hey, I had some issues with confidence last year. You know, some of that may have been that he was maybe getting gun shy. I don't think he's a wimp. If he even said that, he probably wouldn't say that. But that's part of the confidence that, you know, am I going to get whacked and knocked out of a game, uh, you know, or a season, two successive years? Um, so I think that we won't know, and I don't think he really will know until the games are played. But they're not, you know, Graham Harrell said for all of us to hear it, there's going to be no contact on these quarterbacks. Absolutely none. And uh, that's understandable. But at some point, there is going to be contact. And that'll be in the games starting with San Jose State. And that's something we're all going to have to be aware of. You know, it's almost like, what is the word they use? Post-traumatic syndrome? Uh, like someone coming from a war zone. You think they look okay until they get back and they try to function in society. Uh, you know, you know, we don't know. And that's going to be interesting uh, because uh, a lot of what could happen in the fall could rest on uh, Keaton's uh, mental state of being. Yeah, I think if, if we're talking about kind of big takeaways from the first week, my, mine is the you know physical nature that we saw on Saturday. That was something where Clay Helton, he he hears it right when he when he makes a specific point to talk about we're going to have this many full pad practices, we're going to have this many full tackling practices. Makes a point to say that is the most that we can do that's allowed by the NCAA. He hears the you know the the clamoring from fans. You need to have more physical practices. We need to hit. It needs to go back to where the practices were you know more intense than the games. And so for him to kind of make those statements, it, it definitely sort of shined a spotlight on Saturday. What was that actually going to look like? What was it going to look like in practice when you talk about we've got full pads on, we're going to go hit, it's going to be physical. You heard, you know, Todd Orlando has kind of been preaching that, you know, since he got here, um, run and hit. We, you know, you, you got to make practices tough. You got to be able to, to, you know, see who can do what. Uh, with pads on and then Saturday they came out and, and you run that kind of two level Oklahoma drill where you've got everybody sort of lined up in an alley and it was just watching the the players come over from Brian Kennedy Field coming over to, to Howard Jones and there are I mean I tried to count them and, and it was you know 35 36 40 uh, kind of personnel people and analysts and assistant coaches and equipment managers and it was kind of you know hooting and hollering as guys were coming in and the energy level just wasn't again we we weren't there last fall right we, we weren't able to be a practice or, or see it but the energy level felt uh different than maybe what what we'd seen in past certainly spring ball practices recently and so i i think being able to kind of stand behind that statement of this is what we're going to be because then you, you had that drill to open practice. Clay Helton came over to the running backs afterward and, and kind of, you know, dapped them all up, gave them kind of high fives and, and just complimented them for, for helping get the practice started, you know, on, on at that note, at that level. And then it did carry over, you know, that there were full contact uh, sessions and, and periods you, you had guys kind of going at it some scuffles here and there again nothing that's you know out of the ordinary for a, a spring ball and so now it'll be where does that 
stay? Is that something you see every practice or was this kind of a, a show where you could get up for that first day in pads and then things kind of taper off, which is that that's kind of the natural order of things as you get, you know, late in spring, it's tough to kind of keep that level uh, all the way through when there isn't a game that you're getting ready for. So I think that is, I think that becomes the big test. That's kind of my, I guess my takeaway and also lingering thought is I like, I like what, where they were on Saturday. I like what they showed. Now it becomes, is that an everyday occurrence, you know, every day in practice. And, and I like that the next time out, they're going to be in the Coliseum. I think that helps kind of get that juice going again and, and pick things up. And is that, is that a hallmark, I guess, of this team? Is it, is it a team that plays at that level all the time and, and brings that intensity and, and that, you know, want to, in, in terms of being physical, uh, my, my takeaway is it seems like that's what they want to do. And so I know for us and, and for probably everybody listening, that comes with the, the prove it stamp at the end of that. Um, you, you got to see it in games, but I like, I like the direction, I guess, um, that things seem to be heading as we get into more and more of these full pad, full contact practices. Well, I think Todd Orlando uh, in some of his uh, comments, especially last week uh, when he said, we have to establish a culture. Now he admitted, and we'd all agree that there was no culture established last spring because there was no spring. So they tried to establish it during, uh, you know, the regular, should we say truncated season. And that's hard to do when you're putting in game plans and things of that nature. I think the intensity of the defensive staff, Orlando, and I think Orlando, remember Orlando's a former linebacker at Wisconsin. You know, he's used to a particular type of attitude, especially on the defensive end of it. And so is Dante Williams. And so is Craig Navarre. So is Vic Soto. You know, they, they like to say, let's meet it. Let's take it out into the alley, so to speak. And I think they were around this team enough, obviously last season that they could form opinions and say, look, the fact that, uh, which I found at the beginning, a little uh, interesting, but Orlando says we, we have to, you know, give the culture. And then one of the, one of the uh, uh, media people said, well, what did you define what that means? And, you know, he said, it's an attitude. You develop it. That's why we need to have these spring practices. I don't think they're going to let up at all. If anything, I think they're going to increase it because there is such a difference between personalities on the offensive side and the defensive side that I think the defensive coaches might be telling the offensive coaches, look at you guys got to get wild. You got to get tough. You know, because, uh, you know, we can sense the kill shot against you guys. And no coach wants to really hear that. And we know that Clay Helton, uh, by his own personality, is, uh, you know, uh, I mean, he's vocal, but he's certainly not in the Todd Orlando camp of intensity, so to speak. So I think they're going to really, uh, I think the defensive coaches are going to push this team to be physical on both ends of the field. Now, whether... They can accomplish it on both both sides of the line of scrimmage. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, I'm curious your take on the guys who were not there, right? It's it's doesn't feel like it's going to be uh, a lingering issue 
with, you know, Clay Helton saying, hey, we expect a lot of these guys back. There obviously are guys, Nick Figueroa, uh, with his the, the surgery that he underwent, he's the, the idea is he won't be cleared until probably midsummer. Uh, Greg Johnson is a guy that we've seen kind of doing rehab. Brandon Peely, the thought is, you know, maybe he comes back uh, sometime soon. He's done some rehab and, and not gone through a, a full practice yet. But then you've got guys, again, Clay Helton said coming into the season, hey, we're, we're going to be without a few guys due to health and safety protocol. It, it, it was not apparent that it was going to be Drake Jackson, Chris Steele, Raylan Goforth, those three guys. And then on Saturday, you didn't have Isaiah pull them out too. So if you take those four guys and you add in Nick Figueroa and and Greg Johnson starters, I mean, you, you are out there without probably half of your expected starting defense uh, so far, I guess your thoughts on kind of how that's worked, your take on, on not having those guys and maybe what the defense has shown so far? Well, I am not going to push the panic button. I'm using my own coach's experience. You know, the guys that are missing have a lot of experience. So you're not so worried that they don't know what it's going to be like to be there. They know where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, you 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 want them to, you know, to to freshen up because of the time off since the last game. But, you know, the real important part is developing the, uh, you know, the 14 newcomers, or the guys on both sides of the ball uh, in, in developing depth behind those guys that aren't there. Uh, I think the one thing that we always have to remind ourselves is it's, uh, it's not how many aren't there, it's who's not there. You know, for me, a guy like Greg Johnson uh, is an important piece because uh, when, when he's missing and then you have uh, Talanoa Ufunga, who's gone forever to the great NFL, you know, draft, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of things. And sometimes you might scratch your head and say, are we really making progress? Because you don't have enough veterans in there to make you think that, you know, we, we're, we're going to be okay because there's so many new guys that you're not uh, working as a 11 man unit. But in the end, that's what spring ball is about. It's about, it's about developing players, you know, getting them ready, the new guys. And remember, they're going to get a whole slew of new guys also in August. They're going to show up. And they're going to have to be retrained because they weren't in spring practice. So uh, not worried about the guys that are missing uh, because it gives the other guys that have little to no experience a chance to, to learn and make corrections. Because uh, this is the place to do it. You don't want to, as they, as they say, you don't want to practice during a game. You want to practice during practice. Because if you have to practice during a game, you're probably going to lose. Yeah, it, it's one of those things, right? Drake Jackson is, it's not, he's not to a point yet where you're like, hey, take off every practice and just show up for the games. He, it, the, I think the dominant force that maybe people expected from him last year after that freshman year wasn't there. Although, you know, count me in, he's going to be just fine. <laughs> he's he's going to have a, a great year, I think this fall, but take your time coming back. Uh and one of those things where, hey, the more you can see Hunter Eccles in that spot, the more you can see kind of Raymond Scott there uh, at inside linebacker, the more you can see uh, some of those safeties, you know, Chase Williams get some run and, and Xavier and Alford get some run back there um, at safety. It, it gives you more, I guess, comfort and, and more confidence, like you mentioned, in those guys. And that's something really that Clay Helton 
has preached and something that, that I really agree with him on is that the coaches have really started to focus on not, you know, not that it's not that they invented this idea, but the idea of, Hey, we've got, we've got to really coach up our twos and threes and get them to a point because they're going to need to play. And, and whether it's just, whether it's stepping in and actually playing like first team reps in a game or in practice, or if it's just now they bring that much more confidence with them to their special teams role or, or anything like that, that lifts your team up. And we've seen that, I think, this last year in 2020. I, I think there were times where that was really evident, where they got guys that, that could fill in and, and going back to 2019 too. And so not that we expect any of these guys to be missing for huge chunks of the spring and, and they'll probably be back you know, sooner rather than later, but it has been nice to see these guys that maybe wouldn't have been getting these first team reps get those. And I think that's kind of what spring is about is, is letting these guys show, Hey, this is what I did in the off season. This is what I can bring to the team. And you get this kind of little sneak peek of it now before you then go into the, the long summer and then some fall camp. But so far, very pleased, uh, I think with, with some of these guys and, and one guy, I want to go right into it because Joshua Jackson jr. He was kind of the one question mark when you looked at the roster and every year, right? The roster comes out. You always want to see kind of, okay, what, what are the new numbers with guys? And then there's a position switch here or there where you think, okay, that's interesting. He was the, the one big kind of position switch. He goes from wide receiver to cornerback. Uh, and you know, you, you hope that he's not going to get like lost in the mix at corner. And then you see kind of the depth there and you think, okay, he, he may be able to, to take some reps here, but boy, he has been, he's been phenomenal. I mean, there's really no way to overstate how confident he looks at that position without Chris Steele out there. All the corners have kind of gotten a little bit more run, uh, this spring. And, and that for me, that has been, uh, the most impressive performance of any player over the first week. I, I really wish that everybody could kind of see how he has played uh, at corner because it, it's, it's been something. I mean, I know he's played, he played some defense, you know, in high school. So it's not like he's brand new to that side of the ball, but making that switch uh, at this level after a year where you played wide receiver, what he's done is, has just been outstanding. Well, I think with Josh, you know, when you've been a receiver, uh, you know what defensive backs are trying to do, okay? Uh, when you get switched to defensive back, you know what, as a receiver, you know what they're trying to do. So he has kind of a, 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 a double set of confidence here. He can think along the lines of what a receiver is going to try to do. Look, he played a little bit in high school, okay? You know, that, that experience isn't going away. Uh, he's playing now with athletes that are at the collegiate level. So it's not a great culture shock. It's an adjustment to be sure. But, uh, you know, there have been position change. In fact, to be honest with you, one of the first things I do when uh, spring ball starts is, uh, you know, I, I go to the roster and I go, who got changed? Okay. Who got switched? Uh, some of them are minor switches. Some of them are major switches in the history of USC football. Let's remember that, the great Ricky Bell was a fullback at SC, but he came in as a linebacker out of Fremont High School and then ends up being second in the Heisman Trophy for as a running back. Uh, you know, same thing with Marcus Allen. He was a safety quarterback in high school and he ends up being a, 
you know, a, a fullback for, uh, you know, for Charles White. And then he becomes his own tailback. So some of these position changes are significant. Uh, many times in the SC uh, McKay era, and even uh, with John Robinson's first time around, they would take tight ends and they would become tremendously skilled offensive tackles. Uh, so, uh, and I'll give you one other example. One of the uh, all-time legends for USC was an offensive guard named Roy Foster from Shawnee Mission, Kansas. And this guy played fullback in high school. And as soon as he got to SC, they turned him into an offensive guard. Uh, so, you know, position changes can really, really make a difference. Um, I think Lofa Tatupu, uh, even when he transferred from Maine to USC as a linebacker, I think he was a quarterback in high school. Uh, and that's not unusual either. So position changes, uh, you know, can happen depending on the player's needs, attitudes, coaches' needs, adjustments. So I always, I always found it fascinating to see who got moved. Uh, you know, some players, you know, they, they flourish on the move. You know, some players, they keep going from position to position uh, and they don't really stand out. But, uh, you know, the case of Josh Jackson, uh, you know, they might have really come on to something here, which would be a good thing. And, and I think you hit the, the nail on the head with something that Clay Helton talked about, too, where he talked about sort of the, the togetherness of this team and kind of pulling for each other. And I think that this is an example, right? When a guy gets asked, hey, what do you think about moving? He's got to buy in. And Todd Orlando said that, too. You never want to be the coach. As a coach, you never want to tell a guy, hey, you're moving to this spot and have him, you know, fight against it and make that move because that's no, nobody's going to end up winning that. So I think this feels like maybe a, a small piece, you know, that, that microcosm of the whole team buying in and, and kind of pushing forward and doing what's best for the team and, and finding out sometimes, hey, what's best for the team is, is actually, you know, best for you as a player. Oh, yeah. And you know something? It goes back to something I used to tell my players. I say, you know, work is a four-letter word to do something, to get paid to do something you don't like to do. You know, and that, and here, and the point is, is when you feel like you have to be playing wide receiver when you'd rather be playing defensive back, it's work. Therefore, you're not really, it's a negative term. You, but you put a player where they want to be, they feel they have a chance and opportunity. So good for this coaching staff for, uh, you know, keeping that philosophy alive because the other players will see that there, you know, there's other players that say to themselves, I wonder if I change positions, if I'd have a better chance at playing and actually be better at it. So, you know, in the recruiting process, a lot of players are told where their best position would be. They don't like hearing it. If some guys uh, tied in and then said, well, we're going to make you an offensive guard. They're not going to sign because no, no, I'm a tight end. Then they go somewhere else and they end up, you know, being an offensive guard anyway. You know, you know, sometimes in recruiting, they don't always tell you the truth. They tell you what you want to hear. But I know uh, in the uh, Clay Helton era, and kudos to, to Coach Helton on this, he tells them where he thinks they should be playing. And if they don't like, you know, that idea, then, you know, a lot of players haven't signed, which is fine because, uh, you know, honesty is the best policy. So one of the things I, I wanted to get into also is the new players, right? That's always the, the thing for spring ball. Hey, who are the early enrollees? USC has, there's 
a bunch of freshmen who came in. And then they've also got three transfers. The fourth, uh, Ishmael Sopcher from Alabama, not participating in spring so far. So right now you've got 13. You've got 10 high school kids coming in and three of the transfer transfers. The transfers, two of them from Texas in running back Keonta Ingram and then uh, safety Xavier Alford. And then you've got the wide receiver from Colorado and Katie Nixon. And I'm going to go through, I'm just mentioning the true freshmen that are here. And then I'm going to open it up to you. If you could give me kind of uh, either one or two or, or however many have kind of really sort of caught your eye early on. And so obviously you have the two quarterbacks in Jackson Dart and Miller Moss, uh, wide receiver, Michael Jackson, the third. And then you've got three defensive backs, three safeties and Anthony Beavers, Kalen Bullock and Zamarian Gordon, uh, a linebacker in Julian Simon, and then on, uh, sorry, finishing up the defensive line, uh, Jay Tawaya, uh, defensive tackle. And then on offense, you, you have running back Brandon Campbell and tight end Lake McCree. So at, at that point, any, any of those 13 guys jump at you, jump out at you first week. Well, obviously all, all eyes are on the backup quarterback situation with Dart and with Moss. And as coach, uh, you know, Helton has said, there's times when they look brilliant and there's times they look like they just got out of high school. So, you know, we're in, but they don't have to be ready this week or the fifth week uh, of spring ball. They have to be ready just to step in when games start. Uh, I think the two Texas transfers have the real advantage because these are players that the coaching staff uh, in Orlando and, uh, you know, Nivar, they're familiar with them. Okay. They recruited them. They kind of know what they do. They have some, you know, uh, Ingram, he's, you know, they've seen him run the ball. They know that Alfred can hit. They like it. Apparently, uh, you know, there was no waiting around with Alfred. They put him right into the position of uh, Talanoa Hufunga. Uh, and so, you know, they like his attitude, which is, you know, it's always good to hear positives. I, I really don't ever expect to hear negatives uh, from coaches. Um you know, I, I thought that they were uh, Im important pieces. I think the one to look at, though, that as I've kind of thought it over is, is Michael Jackson Jr. from Las Vegas. Uh, he may be one of those players that really was underrated coming out of high school uh, because he, he's made some plays out there. And I saw one of the catches was a one-handed grab. Uh, that didn't look like a typical, you know, freshman coming in. So, you know, there's always that surprise guy that's a three-star or what have you. And so he kind of caught my eye. Um, you know, as far as the, the three, uh, you know, secondary players, you know, Clay Helton made a very, I thought, very astute comment uh, when he said, you know, and, and, and I also say this, so I, I'm, I plead guilty. Uh, you know, they keep piling in wide receivers and defensive backs and my question is, is how about we start piling in some offensive linemen, uh, you know, of notoriety, namely four star. And maybe if you're lucky, you, you latch onto a five star. Uh, but the reality is that in the Pac-12, you need five or six defensive backs, you know, nickel package, dime package. Uh, that's just the nature of the conference. So you have to really kind of readjust your thoughts on recruiting, you know, especially defensively. So you know, you keep an eye on those three freshmen there. You keep an eye on, you know, a guy like Alfred. Uh, and you know what? Uh, the other guys who may be surprised a little bit, to be honest with you, is Brandon Campbell. 
the, the true freshman came in there, got off a 20 yard touchdown run, you know, one of the few highlights for the offense, but uh, you know, it's a long spring, you know, some guys are going to stand out quickly. I agree with Todd Orlando 400%. It's so early in the process to come to any sort of conclusion. You just kind of have to let it unfold and see what happens. Uh, my main focus on the entire spring is that offensive line. I have some real concerns about it. And obviously not that you should expect anything different on the first you know, day of pads. Uh, you know, it didn't look as though this group was quite ready to dominate, but let's give um, Clay uh, McGuire, the first year uh, coach there, some slack. You know, he says he's tweaked a few things and he's got a few things up his sleeve. You know, let's give him the benefit. He deserves it. Uh, but you got to really just look at that offensive line and see what, what they're going to make of it and what changes position-wise they do there. We're going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tee you up for offensive line. I, I wanted to jump back into um, newcomers that, that have stood out. Katie Nixon is going to absolutely make an impact this year. He is a, he's, he's one of those guys you, you define as short, but not small. He he's, he's a little package. He's, he, you know, I think listed at, at five, eight, something like that. Uh, but he is thick and he is powerful. And so he's a guy where, it's almost like, you know, you throw him the ball five yards downfield and you've got a running back who's broken through the offensive line and is now loose in the secondary, kind of the way he runs out there. Uh, and then Keontae Ingram, I, I've been wholly impressed with. This is a, a true running back. Uh, and if he will get to the offensive line, if the, if the offensive line could give him kind of any space to run, I think he is going to be uh, a huge weapon uh, in the running game and in, in the receiving game. He is a great pass catcher also, and, and he's shown that over a few days. Brandon Campbell, again, listed at 5'11", 195. I, I think he's all of that. I have been surprised by how sort of thick and, and put together he is. He looks like a guy that, you know, it's it's not quite marquee step in terms of, you know, what he looked like, but Brandon Campbell does not look fun to tackle. He is, he is knees and shoulder pads uh, and, and he can run a little bit too. Uh, that burst that he has has definitely stood out. The thing that I've taken away from the true freshmen that are here, they all, they all belong. They all fit in. They all look like, you know, red shirt sophomores. Like this is a, a physically put together group of guys that have come in. You mentioned those three safeties. I mean, the, the, those guys are, those guys are USC defensive backs, the way they move, the way they look so far. This is a really good 2021 class, and maybe the two best guys in the class, maybe the three best guys in the class, aren't here yet. Uh, when you talk about uh, Corey Foreman and, and Rajon Davis and Sierra Wright, those guys uh, coming in the spring. So this is a ton of talent uh, that is added to the roster. And I think, again, through three days, they've all shown up. Uh, it, it doesn't, you know, you're not out there going, oh, where's, where's this guy? He's kind of hiding in the back or, or not sort of pulling his weight. Um, I, I think that has been a huge plus uh, for this roster because I know the coaches absolutely wanted to bring in guys that could compete for jobs right away uh, and maybe shake things up and, and push this roster a little bit, some of the older guys. And so I think that's mission accomplished so far. Like you said, we've got four more weeks of this. 
they've got kind of the spring showcase and the real scrimmages and, and things like that. There's plenty of times for fresh, for plenty of time left for freshmen maybe to hit that wall. But yeah, so far through three practices, really nothing to complain about uh, from these young guys coming in. But if we want to talk about complaining about, I guess, um, through, through a few practices, the offensive line has been on Saturday was the first real look we got where they really tried to, to push the running game a little bit and let the offensive line kind of show, you know, what it could do or, or, or try to get some push against the defensive line. And for the most part, it just wasn't there. It, th there were a few sporadic runs, but again, it was kind of what we've seen where, you know, you, you hit something for seven yards, eight yards, and then there's two, three, four, five, six carries in a row where you stopped at the line of scrimmage. And it's just not, it's not happening to where you can just hand the ball off and, and you know, you're getting three yards or, or four yards. And so I think that it's, it's one of those things early on when the defense is fired up in, in some of these practices and, and they're bringing, you know, seven, eight guys in, in run support all the time. That's tough to run against, but I, I think the offensive line continues to be the question going forward. And, and just talking about, before I let you jump in, before uh, talking about kind of the makeup of the offensive line, what we've seen so far, uh, it, it's been the same. I mean, we, we, where media was able to be there on Tuesday and then also Saturday, the first line, Cortland Ford went right into left tackle, which not surprising. That's kind of what we had guessed uh, coming into spring ball. And then the rest of the four are the returning guys from last year, where you've got Andrew Voorhees and then Brett Nealon at center, uh, right guard Liam Jimmins, and then right tackle Jalen McKenzie. Uh, and then just, just to kind of keep going with names, the left, or sorry, the, the second unit offensive line again was the same on Tuesday as it was on Saturday and so clearly taking a, an extended look at some of those guys and that second line Casey Collier is a left tackle and, and I do think he's a he's an intriguing guy to watch I, I think over the next maybe year or two to see kind of how he develops he he uh he is impressive to, to watch run around a little bit out there right now uh but next to him at left guard has been Jason Rodriguez uh, Justin Dietrich backing up Brett Nealon at center and then Liam Douglas at right guard and then Jonah Monheim uh, again another member of that 2020 class uh, he's been going at right tackle so not a ton of, of mixing and matching in, in terms of kind of different looks and, and that sort of thing but I think I can understand wanting to give Corlin Ford kind of an extended look there at left tackle and, and try to get some of those returning guys at least that first week kind of a, a look together uh, and now it just becomes, you know, do, what kind of improvement uh, do you see? And, and Clay, Clay McGuire during practice, you know, they spend a ton of time doing kind of individual stuff and work. And, and he's obviously now trying to get a real sense of, of what he has to work with now that they're able to get out on the field together. Well, you know, this week for Friday's ONSO, I'm doing a uh, piece on the great offensive lines of USC's national championship teams. And it was kind of this idea that back in 1962, of course, you had offensive guards that were 215 pounds, 220, and the evolution of where we are today. But when I looked at it overall wise, and I looked at it from just strictly a recruiting standpoint, you know, you had, you know, the one team that had, uh, you know, Pat Hell and Brad Buddy, 
two five-star offensive guards that became All-American, Keith Van Horn, who became an All-American. And you really see the talent that they had for those national championship teams. Not surprising, but I, I, in my mind, I look back to when they were being recruited and who were they. Where we are today, and this is just telling it like it is, these are not five-star players that are on the field competing. I, I believe the players are playing as hard as they can. I believe that they'll be coached as well as they can be coached. But there comes a point where in the early days of USC, they could just physically pound people. You know, they had bigger size. John McKay said after he got blown out by Notre Dame, you know, in 1966, uh, we're not going to lose to Notre Dame and we're not going to, we're going to recruit big players that can move. And he did that. So for a number of years, USC had just bigger, intimidating players than everybody else. And, and they were able to dominate. And then what's happened in today's world is, look, uh, if you just want to go numbers-wise, height and weight, SC matches up with Notre Dame just in height and weight. But it gets down to athletic ability. And you've been to the camps. I've been to the camps. Many of our listeners you know, have been to these camps. And, you know, one six-foot-five, 265-pound lineman is a better athlete than another six-five, 265-pound athlete. And what we have at SC right now uh, is a lot of three-star players that were not tremendously recruited for whatever reason, and we had a very poor recruiting class. Uh, and this is what you're forced to have to deal with. And we have a new strength coach from Notre Dame, you know, in Robert Steiner. Uh, he's going to know what he's, he's going to teach SC exactly what Notre Dame did. Don't there's no doubt in my mind just to bulk up, but it's going to be interesting to see what these, this group, and you name them all, you know, just because you have players coming back, doesn't mean that, that, that they're going to be, you know, all that improved, you know, uh, if, if they were mediocre last year, would you be shocked if they were mediocre this year? They're the same players. What the hope is, is that they develop and we're going to see, you know, there's a lot of hope in, you know, in, in Ford that he can be the left tackle. Uh, you know, I have no doubt in my mind, a guy like Brett ne uh, Nealon at center, he plays his butt off, but you know what teams lined up big physical defensive lineman right over him. And he was challenged. And uh, you know, that's, that's, that becomes uh, somewhat of an issue. Uh, same thing at right tackle uh, with uh, Jalen McKenzie. He's had some good moments and he's had some challenge moments. Uh, you know, would I be shocked if he got moved over to a guard and a guy like Jonah Monheim uh, starts at right tackle? I wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, but what we have right now is we're, we're, we're mixing and matching players of a particular athletic ability. And you're just hoping uh, that you find a group that works so well together that they, I don't want to say they play above their ability individually, but they play above their ability as a unit. And that's what uh, I think is the real fascinating thing to see. I don't know whether, whether it's going to prove anything in the spring, uh, but I can tell you one thing. If you're not moving the ball four weeks from now and creating openings against the defense they're going to be seeing, uh, you know, that would still remain a big cause of concern. And no one will be more concerned, I can tell you, than Keaton Slovis 
uh, in pass protection, and nobody will be more concerned than those running backs who are desperate to find holes. Yeah, I, I'm with you in a lot of that. I don't think there's, you know, a week in, there's certainly not, you know, sirens going off of, oh my gosh, they're, you know, they're never going to fix this. Uh, I think there's, there's a long way to go. And we'll see the, the Navy Mitch, Jonah Monheim definitely jumps out to me just because going back to last week, Graham Harrell brought him up as a guy who's been really impressive. They're, they're having him snap a little bit. Uh, they talked about how he's athletic enough to play out a tackle and strong enough to play a guard. Uh, one of those things where when a coach kind of goes on about a, a certain player, especially, you know, not a starter, you start thinking, okay, how much is this guy really pushing there on, on the depth chart? And so I think he's a guy that also Clay Helton has kind of raved about since he got in. And so I, I'm curious how much he's pushing. I'm also curious about how much we're going to see different lineups. I think for me, that's the biggest question uh, going into this second week of spring. Okay, when we go see them on Tuesday, is it the same first group out there with the offensive line, the same second group out there uh, with the number two group? Because that's not, you know, again, Graham Harold talked about last week, hey, we're going to we're going to mix them all in different positions. They're going to play, uh, you know, next to different guys. We're going to take looks at, at how they work together. And I get you could be they could be doing that kind of during walkthroughs and, and when the media is not there. Uh, but but, you know, you'd certainly expect to see it in kind of team period or, or, you know, run drills or things like that. And so that for me, I think is going to be interesting is how do they start? Uh, shaking things up to get a look at kind of how they go. And I'm not saying, you know, you, you can't bring out that five, right? If, if Cortland Ford at left tackle and those other guys returning, if they all came out against San Jose state for the first snap, there's no surprise at all. I mean, at this point, that would certainly be my guess as to how things go, but I'm interested to see how many different, I guess, looks they take this spring at moving guys around and, and looking around, um, moving guys out to, out to tackle who were playing guard, moving guys inside to guard. Uh, I'm curious, I'm curious to see kind of what Clay McGuire needs, I guess, to, to see and how he wants to, to view those guys to be able to make that decision because he's really coming in kind of clean slate, I think with, with a lot of this. And I think he got a sense of who he had watching them going through, you know, winter conditioning and, and things like that. But I also think it makes sense. Hey, let's, let's put the guys we know out there out for the first week and then maybe start tinkering a little bit. Well, I think, you know, let's, let's take a look at Monheim for a second. It wasn't by coincidence that Graham Harrell says, and he can even snap the ball. If they think that they can't have an inside running attack because from the center position, they're getting stood up right there, right? They're going to give Monham a chance. They're going to put the five best players, and he said that, on there. I thought it was interesting that they moved Jason Rodriguez to guard, okay? That seems to be a, an opportunity for him. Uh, a lot of people have followed his career. A lot of people, uh, you know, had big thoughts, very optimistic. So that's going to be someone to, you know, to take a look at. Um you know, there's just a lot of things that are going to happen uh, between now. I mean, one of the things that I thought was really kind of a strange comment, although I understood it, but when Helton said, you know what I really like about all these running backs? That they all can catch the ball. 
you know, for me, this is just my interpretation of it. It's like, well, what about them running the ball? You know, this idea that, I mean, how many times did SC really throw to backs last year? You know, maybe I'm missing something. It was a, right. It was a big outing against Arizona to start. There was a big deal made 11 catches among the running backs. And then it felt like every game, it sort of became fewer and fewer and, and less of a, a big deal made about that. Right, right. So, you know, that's what's going to be in, interesting. You know, I mean, I understand if you can't run the ball, you better throw the ball. But uh, what they can't have happen, and this is an area I think that fans are probably really curious, especially the ones that are really in tune with the finer points of football, is these short yarded situations. Are they going to be improved in third and one goal line situations? And I know that many people, and I will include myself, uh, just saying, you know what? What about short yardage snaps under center by the quarterback? You know, and the explanation has been that we just don't do that. That's not what we do. Well, I don't know, when I watch Notre Dame or Alabama or, you know, Ohio State doing it, I'm just saying, you know, you don't have to be a wannabe, but it just makes sense. You know, you hit the hole faster. You know, you can have a quarterback sneak. You can do a lot of things, you know, and, and, and that's something the coaches are going to have to decide. Mm-hmm. So wrapping this up a little bit, let, let's look ahead. And just at week two, I'm not talking about kind of the end of, of spring ball or anything like that. What is your uh, big kind of, question or, or I guess even a, a position or anything like that kind of your point of of emphasis for this coming week uh with with SC spring ball again Tuesday Thursday and, and Saturday practices I think we're going to see uh changes subtle some not so subtle based on what they saw in the film on Saturday they're going to say okay this player's still doing what this player's always done. Let's give somebody else a shot. Let's see what different offensive line combinations we're going to see. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a thing. I'm not so sure you're going to see such great movement in on the defensive end of it. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, you're going to see, you know, some changes maybe here or there, depending on who's available at the cornerbacks positions. Um but I think they're going to, like Clay Helton said, and I thought it was a very good point. He said, you know, we're having the spring game, which is the showcase, earlier than we normally do, so we can teach the newcomers off the film, okay? And I think also that's going to go for the veteran players. They have to learn from what they saw and make evaluations saying this isn't working, we need changes. So what I would look at for the second week is what adjustments did they make from what they saw, albeit just a Saturday, but what did they see that they want to make some sort of changes or evaluate further? Yeah, I'm I'm right with you. It, it was always, you know, this week, especially from Orlando, hey, I can't tell you who's done anything yet because nobody's done anything yet. It was always, you know, after Saturday, I'll have a better idea after they go under pads and, and you know, get some actual hitting in. Uh, that was always going to be kind of the time where we could figure out, you know, who's got it and, and who wants it a little bit. And so seeing more of that and getting getting more ideas of that from from players and coaches, I think that's what I'm looking forward to 
uh, in this coming week. And I, you know, being out there on Saturday and, and watching that, it sure felt like there were a lot of guys that were trying to step up and, and earn spots. I mean, you, you look all around, I, I mentioned kind of, you know, Raymond Scott at, at inside linebacker having a big day. I thought uh, we talked about Josh Jackson out of corner, but Isaac Taylor Stewart has had a pretty good spring and, and Jaden Williams has stepped up uh, at corner too. So you're, you're seeing guys like Chase Williams at, at safety and, and that's kind of defensively You've had a bunch of guys step up. Ethan Ray at, at tight end has shown up and, and he's looking well after being uh, off the field for a while. And, and so I think you got a lot of glimpses of guys um, those first three days. So now you, you have the, the day of pads on Saturday and then you're going to go full pads uh, pretty much the, the rest of the time. And so who keeps that level up and, and who keeps showing up? Uh, I think that first week, probably easy to show up you know the first couple of days you're, you're not wearing pads and then that first day in pads I think is always easy you know to get up for uh this is where you start I think to separate guys um who are still playing at, at a really high level uh at the end of this week and, and especially looking forward to Saturday so I think a, a lot of positives again you know no there are very, very few programs unless you, you know, lose a quarterback for, for the year, that first week in spring, very few programs where you're going to say, Oh, we had a, we had a terrible week of a first week of spring ball. But, you know, I, I think there are a lot of positives uh, that you can take away from USC watching this first week. And, and the roster is huge right now with all those incoming guys who came in and all the seniors taking advantage uh, of that last year, there are, so, I mean, this looks like a, a fall camp practice where you're used to spring ball practices being pretty low in numbers with all the guys that you lost from the, the previous year. Even with all those guys that jumped to the NFL draft, there are a ton of guys out there running around right now. And, and the energy level has been uh, notable in a, in a positive way. So again, we will, uh, we'll check back in kind of next week with, with another podcast wrapping up uh, this second week of spring ball. But for now, we're looking forward to seeing it. So appreciate you guys, uh, everybody listening. For Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the We Are SC podcast.